Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On October 22nd, live on pay-per-view at the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi, UFC 280 will take place. And gentlemen, if I do say so myself, I think it's the card of the year. Brian Campbell, Chuck Mendenhall, the Iceman himself, Luke Thomas, this is your UFC 280 non-rooftop edition <laughs> of the pre-game preview. Chuck, how are you doing? Non-roofied edition, which uh, is well, unique. Well, Brian Campbell's here, so there's no, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. But <laughs> I'm do, well, do I man. look like I'm wearing a Cosby sweater over here? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Out of the gate hot. How many gummies in your tummy right None, now? None, but here's what I will say about this. I've got two rules for this. Number one, real talk. Real talk. Mm -hmm. Like men do. And number two, Chuck, I'm trying to turn over a, a new leaf. I will not interrupt you once Oh, today. come on. It won't be the same if you don't. I'm pretty sure he already has. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, am I wrong? UFC 280, is it the card of the year? Okay. Let me blow your minds right off the top here. To illustrate the point of how good this card is, take Piotr Jan out of the equation. All right, take it on Sean O'Malley. Okay, so take him out of the equation. This is just one guy off the main card. Now you take those other nine fighters and you end the two top prelim guys, which is Muhammad and Sean Brady. Yep. 81 fight unbeaten streak. That is all those fighters combined. This is no, a, this is a Shukagian and uh, Fioro, uh, Menon Fioro, and um, yes. So factoring them, them. So you just take away just the one guy, and it's an 81 fight. Unbeaten streak, 79-0-1. Wow. The only guys who had, like, it's Muhammad had the uh, Leon Edwards uh, no contest, and O'Malley had the last one was a no contest. Everything else. So this is a thundering herd of momentum going at each other. This is unique in ways that we've never seen, where all the momentums, guys on seven fight, eight fight win streaks are going at each other. This isn't one of those things where you're getting brand names who they kind of brush off and they throw in there and like, he's still got it, that mm -hmm. type of thing. These are legit guys at the uh, and women at the very top of their game. And uh, when you think about that, man, it kind of blows your mind. I don't know if I've ever seen a card this stacked from that perspective before. And the guy, and Jan. even the, and even the guy Yon, if you just take away, the, <laughs> he's fighting the guy on there who beat him, Sterling. If you yeah. take him out, like if you kind of like put him back in, he has 11 fights winning streak besides right. the Sterling losses. Right. Which, by the way, was a close competitive exactly. fight. That some people think you won anyway. But so. that that kind of blew my mind because I was like, I kept looking at these these matchups, and I'm like, God, that guy, you know, this person lost forever, that person lost forever. So you had to look at that eventually. And all of them, except for Dillashaw, who's on the one fight thing, but he still has won his last fight. But if you put all those others, they're all big winning streaks. Here's how big this card is. Uh, my wife's coworker, this is true, is flying to Abu Dhabi, not for like a week, Whoa. just to go to this fight. Kidding? They got tickets. Dude, that is awesome. And then they're flying back the next day. And I asked my wife, I'm like, are they hardcore fans? She's like, 
I mean, they're definitely UFC fans, but like you know, this is I think this is the only UFC event that wow. uh, that they're they've ever gone to. Wow! Like you, you and especially where, where I come from, where people aren't not a lot of fight fans exactly. I couldn't believe when I heard that. Now, BC, here's the other side of that equation, as you well know, 81 fights or so in terms of the win streak, but not anyone on the card who's a big time proven pay-per-view draw which mm. which this happens once in a while where essentially this feels like the hardcore fight fan special card i mean there's not only six right legitimate fights on this card at least, more, at least six. six but yeah so, i mean so we're talking about you know we're not just putting one name up there and then a crappy undercard we're giving you fights that matter title fights fights that are integral to the title picture this feels like if you're a hardcore fan which mm -hmm. nobody in our audience deems me as one of those unfortunately <laughs> i do Bitch. I know you um, are. That's not true. That's not fair. You by are. By the way, uh, <laughs> been hard on yourself. Two man. drink minimum during the show, right? They get they fed so. me some high noons, some some dad seltzers, all <laughs> right? But I will say this, um, you know, this is you put up with all that other bullshit for a card like this. Thank you, UFC matchmakers. I am so fired up because we could do a whole pregame preview on like four of these fights separate. Like each one could get their own episode. Yeah. It's that good. Tell me I'm right. I, th I think you're right. I, it took well, you, a while you gotta to love get this. me here. Oh, you gotta God, love this. I'm so going to take my wise, time. Style-wise, everything these people are about. I mean, this is like this is hard. This is, crazy. This is this, It would take. Uh, and listen, I not only have a jaundiced liver, I have a jaundiced outlook on life. <laughs> and even <laughs> and even me, even someone like me, looks at this card and goes, "Holy shit, this thing yeah. is amazing." Yeah. You could get rid of half the fights on the card, and it would still be pretty good. Although, obviously, the totality of it is great. All right, so let's start with that main event. Now, we technically technically have no ufc lightweight champion i know everyone kind of sort of considers habib's still the lineal champion let's be fair uh, and sort of we sort of consider charles Oliveira to be the guy but he's technically not so this is for the vacant title nevertheless Oliveira, islam makachev islam makachev going to be obviously in a place where he's going to get a lot of support from i think a lot of the muslim fans that mm -hmm. are going to be around so he'll probably have something of a relative home court advantage. Nevertheless, when you think about this matchup, what's the most important way to frame it? Well, I think that the Habib, like, legacy hovering sort of yes. over this fight, which is bizarre, too, because depending on how the outcome, I know people keep talking about, like, would this be the fight that draws Habib back in? You know what I mean? Like, are you one I mean, of those that, guys? Yeah, that, I'm one of those guys, but I don't believe it because I, I, I believe in his commitment to mother his and father. Okay. I believe in that. Well, if there was going to be a scenario where he might be drawn back in, it might be this situation, right? Like if some, for some reason, uh, Islam, and I say some reason because I think Islam, it's Islam's fight. I still feel like it's him, his momentum that's coming in that's, uh, that I'm looking out for more than Charles Oliver, which is crazy to say given where Charles Oliver and the opponents he's faced. I just feel like there's a, there's a change of the tide in the air. But Habib playing over this is actually part of the subtext. I don't know what it would really mean, but there's a possibility that this could draw him out. If anything was going to, it would be Charles Oliveira beating his guy, right? Okay, but it would have to be nasty. It would have to be a knockout. It would basically like be Rocky that. four all over again with Rocky should have thrown in the towel and I was got Apollo on his arm. And nobody let's wants hope, this to happen to Charles Islam. I think, I think your promise went kaput in uh, about uh, five seconds. Just want to point that out. I got that Eve song in my head ever since you dropped that line, I knew you'd right? either. Dun, dun, but uh, dun, dun, to dun, me, dun, man, I mean, honestly, the subtext, the subtext for this fight is if Charles Oliveira wins this, how many times have we put this guy into a doubt situation? Like, I feel like he's constantly fighting. I don't know what the line is on this. I don't know what the betting odds are. But he, I feel like the perception is, and I just went through and said it myself, is that this will be the one he loses. If he wins, do we start, like, contemplating him as, like, one of the greatest? I mean, like, lightweights? Because if People you look at his resume, Gaethje, Poirier, all this stuff, 
like the guys he's had, Chandler, Lee before that, like you start to look at his resume and him beating those guys, it starts to get up there, doesn't Chuck, it? People, it does. And people tell me I'm crazy as this is the fuel behind Habib taking such a big role in this fight beyond just being the trainer and sort of like the guy ready to hand off his own like you know reputation and legacy momentum to Islam who's ready for the challenge. I feel like Habib has seen what Charles has accomplished, seen the attention he's getting, and is just sort of like, well, don't forget, guys, I just retired as the unbeaten <laughs> champion and maybe one of the goats, and I'm now getting my neck, my guy next in line to take that yeah. from me. And, you know, they look at maybe some of these guys look at Charles Oliveira as, you know, he's just hot right now at the moment, but is he really that guy? For, to your point, if he hands, if he hands Mahachev's win streak and does it in another demonstrative yeah. way with a finish, I'm which is his calling card— you're not going to be able to keep him out of these larger conversations uh, in terms of the greatest lightweights because this is a run. This is a run this guy's on right and now. And if you look at it, man, I mean, just look at the names. Those names I just mentioned, you tell me. You tell me. Like, is this – would that be considered one of the toughest five-fight stretches Sure. Name ever? him again, I mean, please. Name him, name him again for me. You have Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, and Lee. And I think it was Ferguson, maybe? I don't remember. Ferguson in between, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's like you have all, that's the, basically the five. Now he got then, Ferguson right after Ferguson right. got done with Gaethje. So that was, I think, right. a diminished version. So, but I mean, but to, to add Islam to that list, I just think that that would be quietly one of the greatest marches we've seen in defenses or whatever you want to consider, obviously, because he has lost his title, but like he'd get it back. But it would be one of the greatest runs I think we've seen from a champion. I, I think that that's true. And I've been trying to think about like the Habib element to all of this. Habib, and I've said this before on the show on MK, Habib and John Jones were two guys who, once they got on your radar, they just seemed inevitable. Right. They were inevitable. They could not That's be stopped. That's a good way of saying it. And uh, Oliveira was never that guy. He was never inevitable. He had ups and downs. He And not only that, he had losses where he kind of flaked out or like the Holloway fight where his neck got injured and he just was like, meh. You know, yes, it was like, right. I don't know. It was really weird. He misses weight a bunch early. Yes, he misses yeah. weight a bunch. But he is also a guy who started really young and now he's in his prime and now he is doing what seems like the impossible. The interesting part about Habib, who was inevitable, is that they're trying to make Makachev look right. like he's inevitable. Now, he did have that one loss to Martins and has since looked uh, pretty good and of late has looked really good. But this is actually going to tell us whether or not he was inevitable. This is this is the moment. True or false? Yes. I would say true to that. I think that, that yeah. this is the moment. Would you put that five fight win streak? Because I sometimes like to do weird stuff like this to fill time on podcasts. But like, yeah. who you know, which <laughs> which rock band had the greatest five album stretch in history? And yeah. look, it was the Rolling Stones from Be Beggar's Banquet through Goat's Head Soup. That was a certain but amount of certainty. He doesn't in Campbell the UFC. Corpse, I mean. Would you now, if Charles does this, would you now put this up with what I've always thought was the best stretch anyone's had, and that's John Jones from beating Shogun Hua through. Machida, Rampage. I mean, that stretch yes. of just destruction. I would put it above that only because those guys that you're mentioning, I always felt like that was the twilight of the idols a little bit. The guys who were, they were kind of left over from a lot of wars. And that oh, you mean all those Hall of Famers in a row? The Hall Chubby, of Famers, yes, but it was like in part because they were Hall of Famers already. You know what I mean? Like they were already doing, like, you know, Rampage and those guys that have already been there. My thing is he was the young guy coming up and he was beating off all of the... Was he, <laughs> was he beating them off, Chuck? <laughs> as soon as I was going to say that, I was like, I can't open it. And I had to, but, uh, just beating them. Yeah, but uh, but I think that... Uh, Maybe you but were him, But him. He, he was basically taking care of the guys who were... Um, 
you know, the elder statesman of the of that division, and that's what he did. So I would, when you look at where Poirier was and where Chandler and Gaethje and those guys, I mean, they were all pretty close to their prime, right? Like I feel like they're all right Chandler, there. Chandler, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not Chandler, but like and also Gaethje. Maybe the so difference sure. is that all these guys John beat were former champions in that division already. All these guys that Charles beat were in the title picture, may have touched an yeah. interim strap, but weren't. You know, I mean, you can argue, but it's just it's it's impressive either way. Um, on the flip side, though, as much as this could be for Charles, this would be a pretty seamless handoff in the in the Habib side of it, as like <laughs> dominated everybody and walked away, handing the baton to somebody who's dominated everybody. They're not the same fighter. This is different. But are we prepared for a future at lightweight in which Islam Machev? Just keeps winning. Is that in play? Does I, he have that you, same think, dominance I don't potential? It, I don't think anyone holds this title for too long. Yeah, even I him. Just, I mean, also on this card, we'll get to it later. Mateusz Gamrot, who had yes. a fucking dog fight with Armin Saryukian, but he came out better about it. He's going to take on Benil Dariush. He's not that far around. You have Saryukian there. Um, you have D uh, Demirius Magulov, who's fighting Saryukian coming up. Like, dude, the next generation is about to start beating the door down. Brad Riddell. Brad Riddell, he's had some ups and downs. Oh, he's obviously a good striker. Um, but you get the idea. Like, I just don't, you know, they might have it for a defense or two maybe, which would, not by the way, be very, very uh, yeah. impressive. But, like, long term, I don't see anyone holding this belt long term. No. It's definitely way more stacked than it's ever been. That division is ridiculous. A couple of the divisions in UFC are like this, but that division particularly, I agree with you. It's weird because I do feel like Machep, it's his time. I do feel like he could, if anybody's going to have a run, and it's crazy because we keep, I, I keep just overlooking Oliveira in this scenario, which I feel like people do, and it's, he keeps, you know, it keeps biting them, but it seems like he could have that run, just given where he's at, and he's adding the tools, he's still putting it together, you know what I mean, just his, I guess, pedigree or whatever, but I, I, I agree with you, man, there are such monsters coming up, so it's look, like, I don't know, I don't think that he can that, do that. Chuck. Because, look, Oliveira's on an insane streak, but it's not like every chapter of this streak has been an automatic. He puts himself in grave danger to score the highlight reel finishes. He was that close to being stopped by Chandler, it seemed. Is there any chance that he's entering this, like, thinking he's kind of riding on, you know, house money on the moment? And like, Oliveira? Yeah, Oliveira yeah. has to take on a lot of damage to win these fights. And he's going mano a mano with these killers, and he's on this run of, of being the last man standing. Mind you, he made his UFC debut at 20, so he spent yeah. his entire 20s getting chewed up. As right? much as he's more spectacular at the moment than Mahachev, and maybe even hotter at the moment, even though Mahachev win streak is longer, I, think, I believe it is, um, Mahachev seems more built for the idea of doing what is really hard, winning this championship and then defending it for, you know, yes. a long stretch three, four, five times in a row, which yeah. in theory 100%. is pretty rare in UFC history. You know, there's not too many people who've been able to defend one title four or five times. I think Mahachev is more built for that. Do you speak to any of that, that as much as Oliveira's been spectacular and now we're raising him on this, and there's not smoke and mirrors involved, but there's a little bit of gambling involved. True? <laughs> no? What you I think that's right. I mean, the difference between them, as far as I can tell, um, among a number of other things, but like the big ones are that um, Oliveira is more proven. He is much more proven at this point, but he had to go through absolute living hell to get here, whereas Makachev had a hiccup but has a very mm -hmm. carefully manicured path not like he got easy fights, but that he has had a uh, he's had a very um, incrementally careful ascension in that way, and so he doesn't have nearly the same amount of miles on him or the same amount of you know acclaim either. So for that reason, 
that's why Charles, I think, is much more the fan favorite. Obviously, yeah. Islam has a pretty wide global fan base, uh, fan base as well. But I think that's sort of the differences there. Um, I'm not sure what his meandering question was, but that's sort of my, <laughs> my sense. meandering what about, question was. As much as we're looking at this as a great matchup, and it is, it's one of the best fights you can make on paper. I'm so excited for it. Are, are we sleeping on Islam? Is that are the we idea? sleeping on? The fact that Charles has been riding such an incredible run, but it's almost been too incredible. He's going in there with one killer after another, finding ways to take damage and then finish them. Will that catch up to him, taking on oh, that much if damage? This would against be, I think this would be the fight, if that's the case, because I also feel like Islam is very good at, make, at taking you out of your fight, out of your comfort zones and things like that. Like, he makes it his fight. I could see a scenario like what you're saying if, if Charles is just trying to be reckless or whatever and, and make you it You can that only kind of fight. win that way so many times yeah. in a row is what I'm saying, it's, you know? I just think that Islam has a way of just nullifying yeah. existentially <laughs> everything about your being, you know what I mean? Everything that you thought you were, um, he can nullify that in some way and then make it his fight. That's what I'm wondering happened. I mean, you you break down fights over yeah. all the time. Like, is it, does it strike you that way? Like the danger zone, then, and that's what's great about Oliveira. He has a lot of, he presents a lot of danger. But if anybody's going to sort of take the things away, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It would be a guy like Islam. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of differences. For example, between Habib and Islam and their games, there's a lot of things that are similar too, obviously. But one of the big differences is that uh, Habib put a pace on you. He was trying to hurry up a little bit. Islam takes his time. Like Islam is very yeah. much to ready to hold position. I think that that loss to Martins really, I'm not saying it did a number on him, but it really affected his strategic judgment. And so now it's not like he plays it safe. Like he gets in there and he gets busy with it, but he doesn't have the same kind of, for better or for worse, doesn't have the same urgency that Habib does. But on the good side, the, you know, the bad side is it's not as necessarily as fun. On the good side, True. although he got through Dan Hooker like it was nothing, but on the uh, on the on the good side for him is that it keeps him out of making trouble. And a guy like Oliveira is like, yeah, fuck it, trouble. I know. And then I'll just extricate myself from here, or I'll just find a way to win in the scramble. Or and and more often than not, of late, certainly that has been true. So there's a real there's a real kind of difference in terms of what their calculations mm -hmm. are strategically between them. Why hasn't honestly like we're talking about Charles throwing you know, cautions to the win and still winning dramatically, winning in these explosive ways. Why isn't he translated? Is it simply because of the language barrier? Does he not have charisma? I think that uh, his ascendancy was something of a surprise. Yeah. I do believe that. That is true. Because he beat yeah. Kevin Lee. You were like, damn, he beat Kevin That's Lee. True. And, then and he, each one of them has been sort of like that. Like, Holy fuck. And so now it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, That's what has true. happened? So there's partly that. Language barrier probably doesn't help. But we're talking about a guy who's the all-time leader in UFC submissions, yeah. who, by the way, and dropped finishes. Justin Gaethje, dropped Michael Chandler. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he dropped Poirier. Poirier no, stood in there. No, he sat on Poirier and covered his mouth for a full round and yes. just took his gas tank away from him. And, he and sure it's did. been insane. He sure did. He, do, he goes right into the mouth of danger. And for a guy who's been beat up as much as he has, that even that is unusual. You just yeah. don't see guys that kind of... He's not shopworn in the sense that it shows on his body. But if you just, I mean, I went through his record the other day. I was actually watching some of his fights on Fight Pass. And I was going through some of his losses at 45. Dude, they were fucking brutal, some of those. Like the Paul Felder loss. <laughs> that was at 155. But yeah. still, Felder hammered him through the fucking floor with yeah, his elbows. Yeah. And yet he comes back and fights with all of this acceptance of it. It's just, it's. What is he, 32? 32. 32. But. A dozen but years already. In made his, it's right, made his UFC debut at 20, yeah. which means his decline is almost certainly going to happen long before other ones. That's Are a good we not point. talking enough that like he should definitely make weight this time? <laughs> Are you really have any concerns about that? Well, he does not have a history of it. Let's be fair. He does have a history At 145, of it. and the last one, you and I would both agree, that was, 
I think that they mismanaged the process a Re- little bit. Miscalibration of the scale. Yeah, but they should have they there should have been better contact between camp and commission about that, and also through the promotion. I just don't think they're going to have those issues this time. I'd be very always possible. I would be surprised, right? I, I'm not really it's expecting Dobby, I just I, I feel like they'll just put it on 155. Yeah, just good. say fuck it. And make it. <laughs> Chuck, Luke and I have debated this in the past. How ready do you think if Islam Achev wins this championship and and gets that rub from being the next Habib? Heck, it's Habib's boy, right? It, are we looking at a, like a star? Not just a guy that can win and, and hold the title. Are we looking at a future star? Because Habib became an accidental pay-per-view brand in a way, right? We didn't expect that out of him. It helped that Man. he fought Connor in a yeah, yeah. crazy build, but that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, there's this huge like moment in time where like a lot of Eastern European and uh, Dagestani and those guys are all over these weight divisions and they're all kind of running it. I'm not sure, honestly. Like, what do you? I mean, you tell me what you guys think. Like, I, I'm not sure he has that it factor in the way that translates beyond just his performance. And like you said, he does take his time. He, he is a little bit more like, you know, he's going to make, he's more of a GSP player that way. Like he's going, point. he's going to do that. I guess, I don't know if he's going to transcend in the way do that they want him. I think, I think the fan base to an extent wants him to be like, Oh, we lost to Beeb. Repl- and then there's replace him for and that's us. impossible. And but you can't, can we give a personality for being, and from talent? You can't yeah. do Habib's that. Cheeky, funny. Habib's got like, he's Dude, Habib's he, fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like he's got one liners. <laughs> he's intense. If you trash talk him, he's intense in general. Brother, brother you are a fat. I mean, he's you almost like, like Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. him and DC have this bit that has almost softened him, but like yes. coming up in the build, the two Oh five, when he felt he was oh screwed out of the chance to fight, uh, also, for the you know, title. As, someone, as someone whose you know parent had English as a second language, yo, like you know <laughs> that kind of broken English can sometimes be fucking hilarious. Yeah, it can be, but it could also be as intense as shit as he was yeah. on the you know the, the send me location era. That whole build to that, yeah. I don't know if Islam has that, but. Talking to Dana and the and the people cage side as he's beating a guy up. Remember this yeah, whole that thing? Yeah, that was that was that sort, that of, sort of stuff yes. really translated well for him because nobody did stuff. I mean, that's like he, was, he was the first yeah. smash guy, which we talked yes, about MK yeah, recently. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing for Islam, which he's kind of up against, and it's not really his fault. Although he, I'm sure he does, you know, is very fairly does benefit from the Habib halo. But that Habib halo can be an anchor too. <laughs> like when you saw they Habib can. fight and win, you were like, "Holy hammer!" But the first right? mistake <laughs> would be to. I think the big mistake. I've never said that in my fucking life. <laughs> Get ready, it, you're it's inevitable that everybody's going to make this. Uh, association to Habib, right? But that is the, also the mistake. If you're talking about him being a star, I don't think he can do it that way. You know, I don't think he's going to accidentally fall in because he happens to be the first, uh, Smesh guy or whatever you're talking about. Like, I think he's going to have to figure out a little something more. And it might come with, like, competition. If he's able to win this, that'll be a big step. Then it comes down to, like, subsequent fights. Like, how big do they seem? Like, how, you know, where does it go? Uh, how do they play out? Who's the opponent? That sort of thing. Like, that'll probably play a role. I just, currently, though, if I was really answering your question, I don't know. I don't think so. Especially because of what you said. I feel like there are guys, dog-eared, right behind him, who are going to come up. Somebody's going to beat him, I think, even if he gets it. So it's like, I just don't don't think he would get to that that level, but it's possible. Can Sarukian win this fight and win the title on the feet if he has to? Not Sarukin, fucking the other guy, <laughs> Habib Jr. Good lord, sorry, Islam Mahachev. I've been Mahachev. drinking. All right, can he win this fight on the feet? Can he? Can yes. Islam Mahachev win this fight on the feet? Uh, yes, unlikely that that would be the way he did it, but um, it's possible. Sure, I don't, I don't, I just don't see that as likely because for the reasons we mentioned, where is Islam Mahachev going to be best able to manage risk? 
grappling. Like he's just not going to be able to manage risk on the feet the same way, especially for a guy like uh, Charles Oliveira. One of his best distance closing entries is he likes to jump switch knee, push someone against the mm. fence line, and then he will begin to just throw. Not not super wildly, but very aggressively. You're and saying he might f around and get Askrind? No, but that he would put pressure on a guy like Islam who just doesn't want to fight on those terms. He like doesn't want yeah. any part of it. And what what happens with Charles is he, if when people you know try to escape, he can crack them with something, or they try to clinch, and then he he is now good in the clinch. That's the funny part about Charles. The guy who has the most amount of submissions in UFC history, really, he does go. I mean, obviously, he chases submissions, but if they told him you could no longer go for submissions. I don't know how much longer he could win, but he could still beat very good guys. He could still beat very good guys with just his man. clinch and just his stand-up, and that says something about it why does. he's in the position that he's in. I don't know if you've come up with your own personal pick yet, and maybe we wait that for the Friday before the fight. That's what we do in this, in this business. But for this fight, the reason, Chuck, why I love this fight so much is if you told me separately different scenarios in which Charles Oliver mm. would win spectacularly in almost one-side fashion or... Mahachev doing the same, I believe both. And I'm not sure which one I believe more. And I'm not even sure where the betting odds are on this fight at the moment. But I feel like I really, really don't know who's going to win it. Where even great fights that are quasi-50-50, yeah. there's still something in your heart telling you, okay, great fight, but I know this guy's going to win it. Is the most I don't know who's going to win this. Do you feel you're in the same boat? Yeah, of course, yeah. But that's what makes, right off the top, we talked about it being like a fighter's fight. Yes. Like it's the type of thing where fighters who look at these guys are like, oh my God, it can't get any better than this. Diehards are going to love this type of thing. That's why. I mean, it's like you can't really put a beat on who has the advantage in a fight like this. Our friends at Caesars, now they have it with the highest disparity. In most places, it's not this far apart. But our friends at Caesars have Makachev at a, uh, as the favorite, a minus 190 to Oliveira's plus wow. 160. That's a little high. There are other. That's the highest on the entire board. That's the highest. I wonder if for the sharp money will bring. Because you could envision a scenario, I guess, to bridge the gap between my with the two options I gave you, where let's say Mahachev controls one yeah. to two to three rounds, and then Oliveira finishes it. I mean, this right. this could go. Well, that's all. That's Oliveira, right? Like that's what he kind of does. I love this fight. I love this shit. Yeah, Chuck, I love this shit. This is your fight. Yeah. Um. All right. Were you, were you looking up nudes? No, I wish. I wish. I would be much better than doing this. Um, all right. Nevertheless, thinking about this fight, the one thing that I also wanted to discuss very quickly about it was, I don't know if this is right. Tell me if I'm on to something or not. If I'm, I'm not, by all means, speak up. But it does feel to me a little bit like a bookend on the existing power structure at lightweight. Like, for example... Uh, Poirier, or excuse me, Chandler could end up winning at UFC 281, mm -hmm. and if Makachev wins, his first title defense will be Chandler, right? There's a very sure. possible way. So that a lot of people counter that idea, though, and say, hey, don't forget that Gamrot and Darius are fighting. If Darius yes. wins, we could... Very fair. It's yeah. all possible, but I'm putting out a possibility. So it's not like the guys from... Remember like the, all the top guys? Now, this is not quite right, of course, because Chandler wasn't in the UFC in 2016. Remember Lightweight of 2016 when it had Tony and Habib and mm -hmm. Connor and all this stuff? I feel like that chapter of lightweight is coming to a close. Yes. And these guys like Poirier and Chandler, they're still viable talents, but not for a whole lot longer. And then this new era is coming in. Maybe Oliveira will be able to withstand it. Maybe Makachev will be able to withstand it. But the Gamrots and everybody else. Right. I feel like this is the right. this is the beginning of the it's end. Second how, how do I put this? This is the beginning of the end for this last class. This is like Ice World I, Hoth, the open Empire Strikes Back, and the, the Empire's coming. Empire's coming. 
Okay, but then I don't know who Luke Skywalker <laughs> is in the next one, but yes, it works for this I one. I mean, he did kiss his sister in that it's movie. fucking weird. George Lucas is a sick mom. <laughs> well, he didn't yeah. know what he was doing. You think Jar Jar banged anybody? His hand. No. <laughs> All right. No, he does make a good point. Chuck, when you look at the this new generation that has reloaded, Mahachev, Gamrod, I mean, Saryukin's got to still be in that. And, and this Makulov is coming. Oh just gosh. to name a couple. Uh, he's right. We are in good hands yeah. for the future. Gorum, is Olivera, as well? So what you're really asking, is Oliveira going to be the bridge to that new? Yeah. Or or is this the end of that era? Because I just, I Tony right. Connor not going through that door anymore. You know, right. Gaethje's going in the wrong direction. Even, they all if, are. even if Connor comes back, and somehow it all comes back to Connor, but he, it's most likely, based on just the way he looks and whatever else, it's going to be 170. Yeah. And who the fuck knows what that's going to be against? I just feel like that class... You know, I the agree. graduating class of whatever that was, right. they're yeah. almost done. Well, see, they're almost done. You were you were asking about John Jones. I feel like that's the parallel. John Jones, when he came in, right, like it felt like there was a changing of the guard. All the old, yeah. all the old names that were basically still there, he was going to get through them. But there weren't a lot of guys with John Jones. The big difference is we're talking about the depth of that division right. and though that so many killers. Whereas John Jones was just the guy. He was going to knock off the those guys, and it felt like he would have a long run because there was really nobody you could project would beat him. You know what I mean? Right now, the star of the division is the division itself. I think that that's going to be a new thing. It's kind of like that a bantamweight too. Like some of these divisions are really, really deep right now, and it, anybody could be. I feel like so many of them, you could it'd be like a coin flip if you threw them in the cage together. So I feel like that's where the lightweight division is, and. For a, for a sport like the UFC that plays forward, that's always trying to project and hype and all this stuff, it's a perfect situation, right? If you can kind of always have guys in the wings that look like they're the killer, if you can keep bringing those guys up, mm -hmm. it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun couple of years. Who do you think the UFC hopes wins? Who do you think the fans hope? Both both questions to you, Luke. The fans seem to want Oliveira. I would I would imagine if you're the UFC, you probably want Oliveira as well. I mean, again, because they have both guys under contract, they don't lose either way. It's the house wins yeah. no matter what. But I would think that Oliveira would be better because they're starting to go back to Brazil very soon. That market's finally going to be opening back up. Yeah. And that is all. I mean, that's that's this, I try to tell this to people. It's like, dude, the Brazilians contribute to MMA in both genders at every <laughs> weight class. Yeah, it's one of the most important places, not True. just in MMA history, but MMA's present. It's still one of the most important places. It's a huge uh, sport there. And uh my my brother-in-law uh, spent about a year in Brazil recently, and we know what he was doing for oh, that year. Just, I mean, just just, just Herschel Walker. Yeah, in the whole like, place. like I, mean. I don't know if they have a pipe fitters union in yeah. Brazil, but I mean, he was just, the president. Just you know? absolutely my Lord. putting some plumbing down. But the point I wanted to make. <laughs> I mean, he just he <laughs> just <laughs> slings and brings. He's, and a, just, he's a casual you know, MMA fan, yeah, very yeah. casual. He told me by far, okay, soccer's number one down there. Obviously, he's like number two, like by a considerable margin, is MMA. Yeah, like that's how big it is. I believe it. And so I think for Oliveira. I think you see the homecoming they, guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He I got think a big probably win. Yeah. But like, dude, even if Islam wins, opening up parts of the of 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 I think sure. the Muslim world even further. Obviously, Habib made massive inroads, and then it's more than that. Certainly, he's plays Russian as well. People have you know complex identities, but um, I think they they're going to win no matter what. But I just feel like making there was a while there where Brazil was not falling off because they still had lots of fighters in the UFC, but they had, <laughs> they lost all their champions, and the, we came up in an era when yeah. it was like. Hanato Sabral and the Ninja Hua, Shogun Hua, Leoto Machida, Shoot the Box, and yeah. Brazilian Top yeah. Team, and all that stuff. And I think keeping that flame lit's important. I remember UFC. after well, UFC 229 was when Conor McGregor fought uh, yeah. Habib. Something like that. We were we were doing like a post show like wrap up type thing, and 
we were looking at each other like what we learned tonight is you don't mess around with these guys no. like they you don't mess around like they're not playing you know what i mean i feel like in some ways that that's an untapped thing that we don't really understand about guys like makachev for instance like there's a coldness to their reign that uh and it's very <laughs> Like, we have to see how it plays out, but there is something about Habib's thing that's ice cold. It was just, it was just so The way he different. was raised. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I feel, I feel like you may get, if we're going to draw a parallel, you may see somewhat of a revisited feel of that again. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, where he's just kind of, those guys just don't, they have a sense of humor, but it doesn't extend to, once you get into some, you know, the right guy poking you in the right way, I mean, it just gets very dark very quickly. Yeah, they don't play those fucking games yeah. at all. Which uh, is fun, though. And uh, the, that was a little dark, the 229 yeah. theater, but it's fun when it's played right. Like, when it's when it's in there, you're like, dude, like this guy's yeah, poking the wrong we were bear. There. I remember we were there because Habib had had the melee already, and then he came back to the press room. Yeah. And he was like, yo, I'm sorry. I'm obviously changing his words, <laughs> but he was basically like, yeah, I'm sorry to the commission. I'm sorry to UFC, but uh, yeah, like I don't fucking play those games. And, and then he added, "My father's going to kick my ass." Like he said yeah, that like three different times. Yeah, he was like, "No, fuck you!" Like I live a life of principle, and that's just what yeah. it is. Um, in any case, it'll be fun to see what happens there. A very interesting main event. Okay, but the card, as we indicated, is goddamn God. stacked. Let's talk about the co-main event: Aljamain Sterling defending his UFC bantamweight title against TJ Dillashaw. <laughs> in many ways, this is a more interesting fight. Than the main event, but uh, not in totality. Okay, let's set this up. Tell me if I'm framing this right. <laughs> you have Aljamain Sterling, who has been a guy that a lot of people, even including me, thought highly of as a prospect. But then I lost a little faith along mm. the way. But he proved me wrong in getting it done against Jan in the rematch. Obviously, he did things he did to Sanhagen and right. everyone else. Goddamn impressive. He really has... He has, I think, done uh, extra not extraordinarily well for himself, but he has really proven that um, he was worth taking seriously all along. And so for folks like me who got off the bandwagon, shame on us. A lot of us. But, at least you're admitting but, it. Yeah, I, I'm happy to admit it. I yeah. was wrong. But I will say he hasn't quite captured the fan base's love. I don't think that's, no. I don't think that's there. On the other side, you have TJ Dillashaw, who at one time really <laughs> was capturing some of that love, even with the issues he had with Team Alpha Male then becomes persona non grata after the whole USADA <laughs> issue. Here he is, comes back, has a dogfight against Corey Sandhagen, is back in there. So you have a PED user, formerly anyway, against a, fa <laughs> a guy who's been like a reluctant yeah. but ad admitted relevant, obviously, figure in the bantamweight division. How do you assess this clash between them? A-list fighters, obviously. <sighs> It is. It's a little weird. And then you and then you factor in, right, that Dillashaw, I think a lot of people are like, he doesn't even deserve the shot. Um, he beat Sanhagen. Can we get off that? He beat him. Okay. The three even judges, if he beat him, though, I mean, I mean, also Cejudo didn't beat him at 135. No one true. took his title from him at 135 except you. Well, saw that's it. true. So, but I mean, all I'm saying is like, the, the, there are a lot of different questions. He's, he's, shit. he's fought. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> he's uh, Dillashaw's fought. This will only be his second fight in three and a half years. And yet I feel like in that three and a half years, he has literally become one of the villains uh, of the sport. And it is a very interesting time for him. I don't know what form he'll show up in, to be honest, man. I don't know how much, you know, like when uh, basically uh, Sterling's already playing the card of like, he's a mental midget. Like he's yeah. going to be on, you know, be on something guaranteed. He's finding loopholes. He'll come in here on something I'm anticipating. I mean, he might, he might. I mean, the bottom line is, I don't know, but there's just a lot of questions with Dillashaw, regardless if you want to uh, to look at his yeah, meriting it's, the, it, it the is shot crazy. or not. There's weird questions about this fight in general, because as much as we, probably wrongfully 
put it on Sterling after the DQ win over over Jan, where people were just sort of like, you know, maybe giving him shit he didn't deserve. Boy, did he completely flip that script when yeah. he comes out and beats him in the rematch and does it as, you know, solid and sort of maximizing his potential right in front of us. So it's like, are we were we underrating and overly harsh then? And now are we going too far? Because the dude lost you know, to Caraway back in, in the theory, day. In theory. It's so this, crazy. Right. In theory. Yeah. I mean, and the vicious loss to Marlon Moraes. Yeah. Absolutely. In theory, this should be the perfect old name and former champion to, you know, just take Aljo to the next level. These are the type of first title defenses you should be as a young, not young, but a champion who's in Aljo's finally come into his own and put it all together. But TJ looked very good in coming back from that long suspension, and now he's got an injury to overcome. Yeah. This is such a great fight with in terms of technical skill, but I'm not really sure who's coming in. I mean, you know, the 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 brighter, the bigger stock at the moment is probably Aljo because he's the champion yeah. and he's closer to his prime. But if TJ came in here and did the thing, if he came in here and won this fight, how impressed would you actually Dude. be? Because we just saw Davis and Figueredo at 34, which is old as hell for a flyweight, turn back and come back and beat the guy who just stopped him for the title in Moreno. Of course, we overly romanticized Randy Couture coming back against Tim Sylvia and <laughs> winning back the heavyweight title. I mean, is this... Is this like a thing, or is it just going to be, oh, yeah, TJ, the user, yeah, he's champion again. I mean, he I remember, might be the greatest bantamweight of all time, but because of the lingering Well, he'd be, shit. what, a three-time champion, right? Right? If he wins this one, that would be the third time he's won it. I believe that's correct. That's true. And it's I I always think about guys like him. Dan Hardy, one time I had a discussion, he was talking about guys like Dillashaw, who he considered unflushables, that you try to get rid of them and you can't. They always end up in the same situation, and then they win a title again. Um like I can see it happening just because that's the way MMA works, you know? <laughs> I can see this happening. Dillashaw is one of those guys, man. It's just uh, I don't fully know what to expect from him, but if you took their trajectories and just really looked at, you know, what they've done against different opponents and stuff and you said, who has the advantage, I might still lean Dillashaw. I don't mean to d like diminish. Like skill for skill? Yeah, like skill just... for skill. Uh, I don't mean to diminish Sterling, but you're right. I think that you get off on a certain foot. It's just like Charles Oliveira because you saw him lose early to certain guys that he would beat now. Obviously, you saw that with uh, Sterling in big moments too. And I don't know. I just I, I feel like this is still a proving ground for him. He's yeah. still got to go in there and sort of prove something. Even though he did that with Jan, I still feel like he's in that position. Like he's got to show a little more and then – then maybe you start to take him a little more. I don't know. That's that's how it feels. Would to you me. agree that TJ, at least considering the layoff, showed championship grit and metal to figure out a way against Corey Sanhagen oh, in a very yeah. close fight I that to fight just the other day. figure out a way to win it? We can't overlook that. Dude, into super fight. veteran performance and uh, using. You thought he won though. I thought that I thought Sanhagen won. Okay, but I recognize that scoring for Dillashaw is sure. is very fair. Yeah. I know, I'm not one of these guys. I mean, yeah, I know these guys who was like, "Well, what really happened? Yes. Yeah, what really happened is TJ won." I don't agree with the judges, but TJ yeah. won, and I'm, I'm, I accept. It's that. not egregious, is it? No, not I don't think so. Not either. at all. It's just so close. But okay. what TJ did, I mean, there's a lot of things that he did. But one of the big things he did was he just took advantage of a lot of strategic errors that Sanhagen was making and was able to hold position and control it. And there's a question of what value there was to it. That's part of the controversy: mm -hmm. control positions without damage and vice versa. But it was just so smart and veteran. Like that's what a veteran does in those in those moments. Like I'm gonna figure out, even if it's not that exciting or flashy, good. I'm gonna find a He's way. He's unflappable. He truly is. You know, <laughs> Uriah Faber told me a story once years ago. This was in the aughts. 
before Dillashaw even tried out for the Ultimate Fighter. He told me that he's got this guy in his gym, and it was him. And he was saying that, like, even at a water break, he not only runs first to the water fountain, he'll literally, like, tackle and bulldoze anyone in his way yeah. just to make sure he's the first guy at the water fountain. And I'm like, that's like Brian Campbell at the game, man, but that's totally different. You know what I'm saying? Are you saying he's a snake in the grass? Is that where you're going? That's not what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> he, does, he, he does strike me as a guy who would be a bully in high school. If he was a little bigger, you know, if he was a big yeah, guy, he would be like a bully, be a bully driving yeah. the big truck and all but that like, stuff. I, it's weird because the fan base was really coming around to him yeah. before that. And now, obviously, the loss to Cejudo wasn't great, but they were coming around to him. But I have to tell you, I think if he wins, you know, we talk about redemption stories when people lose <laughs> or they get injured. We don't talk a lot about redemption stories when people come back from PED suspensions right. yes. because they typically don't find themselves back in title pictures, to be quite honest with you. That is a good point. And at 35-ish, yep. 36-ish, whatever he's at at this point, this is it. Like, if he doesn't score one here, I don't know when he'll ever get back. Let me ask this question. Is the fan base ready to treat Dillashaw <laughs> no. like a redemption story well, they the way they would other they redemption stories? They I don't should, think so. Because... He served his time, first of all. There's not there's not this picogram issue Long we're wondering. Time. He lost everything from 33 to 35. And then baseball, who do we forgive? The guys like Jason Giambi or Andy Pettit who came to the mic and said, yes, I did take. Here's the reasons why I got caught. I was wrong. Let me come back now and, and rebuild my name, which both did. We hold it against the people like Mark McGuire, who for the whole time was like, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. I didn't I do shit. I love Mark McGuire. I think the fact that he, like, like, like people. You're always a little bit of the exception. Like, <laughs> my, my only rule is who used the most. That's who I care about. People hate when I do this, when I go, to be fair, I'm not sure I've ever seen you all Romero actually lose. But let's be fair for a second about TJ, okay? Did Asuncio beat him in the first fight? I've seen TJ lose. Yeah. I don't think so. Did Dominic Cruz deserve that split decision? The, no, no, Flip a coin, but I don't a think John so. John Dotson fucked him up. Okay, John yeah, Dotson beat him. I was him. out of that fight. But, but separate, okay, you beat him. And then the no Cejudo doubt. fight was weird, okay? He's cutting down a weight. It was ill-advised, in my opinion. The whole, the whole Cejudo thing was just dumb. It was just weird. My whole point is this. Okay, John Dotson get, did get him, so you crack my theory. But the whole point is this. He's unflappable. He's got the veteran skills. He's still physically above his age, and maybe that's from the time off, or maybe that's from a lifetime of using. I don't know. But either way, he's got to pass a drug test to get into that fight. If he does it, and if he wins this title, I think begrudgingly people are going to come around mm. and celebrate more the fact that there's an old guy coming back to regain, which at the end of the day is the story we can't resist, especially if they're, you know, a lot of times an American fighter that we feel like we can relate to. And you see, we love the comeback story. This is a great setup for a comeback story. And I think a lot of us, because of the PEDs or because we thought Sanhagen should have won, are like, nah, fuck TJ. No, fuck you. TJ's coming on. And if he wins this shit, I'm sorry, Dominic Cruz, <laughs> but the greatest bandwidth of all time is TJ wow. fucking Dillashaw. Okay? Why don't you eat that? Why don't you roll that up man. tight and just eat that shit? I don't get that sense. Honestly, I think that if he wins, it, it, so it come down to, there's there's multiple factors, but how does he use the microphone? Like you just said, guys who admit it or whatever, they want to talk. They're trying to win back fans. They might be able to do that. I just don't get that sense from him, like he, that he even knows how to do that. To be honest, I just don't feel like he's that guy. I don't think he has been to this point ready to be, um, to make himself vulnerable in that way to the public. But I have a feeling that if he wins, he might let all that weight off. I hope so. Because like, he well, can, look at Chael. Chael can any stain on Chael's life okay, record. But Chael's he's a, able to yeah. just rub it out. Chael is the exception a, that proves the rule. Right. Yeah. Any yeah. issues in his life, he just rubs it out. Any issues in it, just rub it. <laughs> like you, like you, with, like you at the bus stop. Yeah. Like you at the bus stop. Yes, sir. Wow. But what wow. I was going to say about TJ is there is a way for him to win. Let's say it's authoritative, whatever that means. And then you know he breaks down in tears at the post fight presser and he says, you know, 
I took a shortcut and it cost me and I never thought I was back exactly. there, but I, but I, I earned this one. I earned this one the right way. I earned this one the hard way. And this one means the most. Do I think the fan base would embrace that? I fucking absolutely think the fan they base would, would embrace he won't that. won't do that. Okay. If he doesn't do it, but, but, I, I don't know that. I would be surprised if he does this. He strikes me as Pete Rose stubborn. He is. You know if he's I'm calculated saying? enough, like he's a guy who's like, fuck you. Seen, you're seeing like, Pete Rose you at the, the MGM or the uh, Mandalay well, signing autographs at that it's sports store. It's the saddest <laughs> shit on brand that he's at. Well, that's yeah. TJ Dillashaw in about 50 years. All right, but if TJ years. is savvy enough, a a fake face turn would be the best move if he wins. And post <laughs> no, seriously, like like the same bit. Okay, but if TJ wins, let's just stay on this card for a second. Who does he call out on the mic, and who do you think would be next? That's a good point. Well. That's a big I think it's going to be the winner of Yon and O'Malley. That's what I was going to say. Easy call. I was going to say that I, I believe that that's obviously part of the strategy of this uh, placement on this card, other than stacking it for all the money they're getting in Abu Dhabi. But especially if it's O'Malley, right? Like I think O'Malley is the guy that they're trying to expedite. They would like to see him there. If he's able to win that fight, that's probably okay. I want to talk about that in a second okay. because we haven't even talked about Sterling yet. Here's the other okay. side of the equation. Sterling. I mean, we talked a little bit about him, but like. Is is this ah okay? He's been the fan base was reluctant to accept him, and then he gets that win over Jan. And a lot of people still think it's controversial, but I don't. I think he he was better that night. I really do. There's controversy from that fight. Believe it or not, yeah, there's a little bit, a little bit that he didn't do enough to beat Jan. He just held mm. control positions. But I will say that just beating Jan the way he, yeah. anyway is extremely difficult to do, and he surprised me. Like he showed real. He knew when to hit the gas, when to hit the brakes, what phase the fight should be in the whole nine yards. It was a smart performance, man. He was good. Okay. and he's But he's had a bit of a, you know, an odd relationship with the fan base. How about this, Chuck Mendenhall? Okay. What if he goes in there and beats the brakes off of TJ? Yeah. And then in his world, he could present it as, I got rid of this scourge on the division. <laughs> I got rid of this guy. Man. Plus, he's a guy, he's got, he's got some he name. Yeah. Would this be the thing? Not that we all we, we now know Sterling is legit. We I mean we knew that for a while, but now we really know it. But is this the thing that gets him endeared to the fan base? Such as that matters. I would say yes. It can I be. I think for it's whatever there. reason, like I was mentioning before, I feel like this would be a translatable moment for him because I think that the Yon there's always this question too, like when TJ when TJ beat like Dillashaw or uh, when Dillashaw beat Barrow, they just got his number. Like some people start to th- to feel like there's guys who have certain number, you could say that it may be about Yana, even though that would be kind of ridiculous, I think. But for him to do this again against Dillashaw, who like you're mentioning could be among the top guys in that division ever, or if, if not the guy, I think so. I think that this could be that moment. You know what I mean? Also, I gotta say, beating Sandhagen, beating yeah. Jan, beating Dillashaw, we talk about win streaks. Obviously, it goes back further than that, but just those three, fucking a, that would be you know what very. The, you know impressive. what the trend is though, real quick. The yeah. trend. Is that long go fighters, right? Like they overthrow some m- massive beast with Sarah and GSP, yeah. with Weidman and then Silva. And now you have him beating Jan. They don't particularly perform well in this moment. Oh, wow. What do you think wow. that is? What's I don't know. I'm just saying, like, sometimes you look at those trends and they follow they follow suit, you know? So they're the giant slayer, but yeah, after somehow, that... like, somehow they have, they zone in on the guy who's the one that you have to topple, but the next guy coming up, the guy behind him or whatever is where they struggle. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, but we'll see if that plays out. I'm just um, saying that has been the trend. Yeah, Aljo would get incredible respect. Is he favorite? I think he should be the betting favorite. Uh, I believe so. I well, while you're asking again. that, the correct answer that you guys should have said is what TJ should do if he wins is then call out Henry Cejudo. 
and say, oh, get the we've got unfinished business. <laughs> you want to come back in? Because isn't that a better well, fight would, see, for TJ be on paper than the others? Yeah. Seriously, Luke, isn't that a better fight for older TJ to run back? Cejudo has been out for a while. Try to avenge that. Sterling is a minus 170 favorite. Dillashaw plus one. I think that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. That, that's a better move for TJ. But this is I more can of, see that, by the way. I could see that call out. I really could. Either I mean, way, whoever wins is going to have to fight some some killers I, in a row. It always sounds like I'm back on Henry Cejudo. I am actually glad he's back. <laughs> I really like him. But everyone's like, yo, when's Cejudo going to fight this in Ghana? This Anthony Smith things like he's yeah, he, starting to you get know, he has. No, no, no. I Dude, right. I really like Henry right. Cejudo. I'm very Luke glad he's back. Luke has fighters he likes a lot want... and fighters he hates a lot. No, but they're like, oh, and you don't, motherfucker. <laughs> I love them all. Don't <laughs> don't sit up here and be some kind of fucking fraud. I know you. He lives the entire women's strawweight division. Are you kidding? I love a lot of fighters, too. Yeah, sure some more than others. Yeah, 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 yeah. What I was going to say was, um, I forgot what the fuck we were talking about, but uh, for a guy like... Cejudo. Well, yeah. So here's the thing with Cejudo. It's like, dude, I'm very happy he's back. I'm very happy he's back. But everyone's like wondering when he's going to fight John Jones and shit. Like, when's he going to fight Ronda Rousey? Can we, <laughs> can we talk about Henry in realistic matchmaking? He needs to fight a number one contender before he fights anybody for a title and i know he was the champion but his last one was dominic cruz come on let's be serious here for a second like he's got to fight someone else so they're gonna make first. him fight marab is what you're saying maybe more Mar that'd be a great fight that'd be a great fight something like that would be fine and, you know, and, and, and all he has to do is win Man, one in my mind that would just be win a great one. fight just win one that's it after that off to the races you can go have a title shot all right what would the, for aljo who has finally earned our respect rightfully so for beating Jan cleanly and doing it the way the i thought way he did too, the, the hard way, way. Mm -hmm. if he beats dillashaw here are we talking about one of the top Four or five pound for pound fighters in the world, right? Ooh, boy, that's a great question. Because it's it's. You have Volk, Volk Usman, Usman, Izzy. Yeah, I took John off my list of inactivity, but yeah. you know, then you've got sort of a second tier beyond that. Those are the guys that are in contention right now mm. for the best. I don't know if this. Mm. You you include like Valentina and. I'll tell you what. If he goes in there, I and, do it separately by gender. okay. If he All goes right. in there and handles TJ, you might have to. If he goes in there and like you know carefully beats him, maybe maybe not. Okay. I think it would depend on the the level of dominance over your contemporaries is part of that measurement, right? Yeah. I mean, it's informal, but it's still part of and it. And TJ's still pound for pound emeritus to a certain degree, despite the drug test, right? He's sort of I like so. he's I not there anymore. No, but when he comes back, you give him that respect. Also, his the time off. You which one of you mentioned it was weird. On the one hand, he lost two years of his career, mm -hmm. prime earning years too, by the way, but. He had, a, I think, both shoulders operated on. Yeah. I think he had a knee operated on. Like, he did get a chance to finally get healthy, and then he got fucked up again in the Sanhagen fight. Yeah. Sanhagen, remember, went on that knee bar uh, and fucked his whole shit up on – oh, no, it was a heel, <laughs> it was a heel hook yeah. that I think he popped right. his knee on. And so, you know, I think he had to get that fixed. But um, this is it for TJ Dillashaw. This is it. Like, yeah. if you don't make it here, forget it. Like, he'll never be back. Um, almost – almost in, yeah. in this division? Shit. Like, I know, especially – Come on. Sorry, you're gonna say no, no. I was gonna say especially in this division because you have legit like four or five guys who are just waiting there. You know what I mean? Like I, I agree with you. I think that he would probably fall off at his age and all the things you mentioned. I wasn't even considering honestly like some of the the injuries and stuff like that. He's a dog. He's one of those guys who's like what well, you were mentioning the the water line and all that stuff. He's he's that competitor. I think he's that guy. Yeah. And uh, he'll want to do it. I just feel like that this is his his big moment that way. If if he doesn't win it. He's going to be behind a lot of guys, you know? Yeah, that is true. All right. In the interest of time, let's talk about something else on this card. We <laughs> stay with the bantamweight division. All right. And now we get to the absolute absurdity of it all. The guy who was previously just the champion, who did lose to Sterling, but has been otherwise 
pretty dominant <laughs> as the number one contender now just decided, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just fight the number two, three, four, oh, 13 ranked <laughs> contender, Sean O'Malley, who has had two brushes with elite bantamweights, Chito Vera and Pedro Munoz, both of which ended weirdly slash kind of poorly. Yeah. Chuck, why the fuck is this fight happening? <laughs> I think because O'Malley got a better contract and now he's willing to accept the, the bigger fights. Yeah, you know, but like, both guys have to accept it. True. So you're saying from Jan's perspective? Right. I think that there's a lot of juice to be stolen there. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. get this guy who's getting all the rub, and the UFC has really been behind O'Malley. I mean, they've done stuff for O'Malley that they haven't done for many, many guys in his same situation. I think it's more like that. You're like, well, if I can't get, and especially because of the way the matchmaking had gone in that division, there wasn't a, a natural spot for him. Well, what do you do? What's your next best option would be to take a guy like that who's getting all the shine. Mm. He wants the win that'll get Jan, that wants the win that'll get him the quickest back to a title shot. Why not fight the guy who's the UFC's boy who they're just waiting to put in there? And if he wins this, they will probably will put him in there, who I'm sure the guys in the top five look at O'Malley and go, oh, no, he's not it. He's not it. You know, too much hype. Of course, if you're young, you're a badass. This actually makes too much sense. I'll fight that guy now. We've only seen him against elites, against Vera, and it looked weird, and the Munoz thing was weird. I think it's actually really smart by Jan. Well, I'm not sure what other good option he had. He fought Sterling twice, so mm -hmm. that's out. Obviously, Sterling's got other business. He hasn't fought Dillashaw, but Dillashaw's occupied. Right. Cejudo's gone. He already beat Sandhagen, so you uh -huh. can't do that. So you begin to look at the, the Rob Font fight wouldn't make sense, right. for example. So you're just looking at who's left, and you're like, well, it's not a lot of great right. other obvious choices to this point. You could have said Aldo. He already beat Aldo. You said Marab, but you're still in line if you beat Marab. If you beat O'Malley, you go to the head of the line. That's now, just I, what it and is. I don't know if the timing would have worked with Marab taking on Aldo in, in Salt Lake City and then this. Maybe it could have worked, but they, it wasn't in the plan. So that like you're like, okay, you can fight a guy who's not ranked in the top 10 who is arguably the most popular dude in this division. Are you down? He must have been like, fuck yeah, yeah. I'm down. Would you say yes. that of any name on this card, O'Malley has the biggest opportunity to steal the night? Oh, and dude, no one has a bigger opportunity. Go ahead. 100%. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's 100%. It's a slam dunk. If he goes in there and does it, he steals the night. I guarantee it. If he goes in there and beats Yawn, it, that will be the big story. Unless there's like a fight of the year type thing in one of those last couple of fights. Chuck, what do you make of the fact that the fight against Chito Vera with the leg kick controversy ended the way it did? And then he fought Munoz, and Munoz had the eye poke. But it, Munoz had definitely, I'm not going to say shut him down, but had yeah. very much limited his offense, yeah. uh, the offense of Sean O'Malley before it got called. He had two brushes with the elite, and you didn't really get a great answer no. either way, did you? No, and I felt like that last fight especially was very anticlimactic. Like it was one of those things that you're, it felt like he was getting a big spot to showcase. And I know that's a, a crazy word to use for like a guy of the elite level you're mentioning, but I felt like it was set up for him to basically show he's ready for the, the top guys. And I he, we didn't see it. So the fascination of it is, did he bite off more than he can chew here? I feel like. These types of fights sometimes carry a fascination factor because you didn't pair them. I didn't see him getting this type of bump up in competition coming off of that fight. The fact that he did, it just adds this level of lunacy like you alluded to as we were starting the segment. Like It, it adds this dimension that's the bang for your buck for this pay-per-view where you're like, I have to see what happens here. I have to see what happens in this fight. Like To you me, see, that's the way it, that it shakes out. Is Sean O'Malley elite? He is. I think we've seen, while while the argument is that, well, we haven't seen enough against elite competition to know if he actually would deserve the title opportunity next. I believe in that, but I also believe membership has its privileges in a club 
where you look like people. I mean, he look, is he legitimately in the conversation of who's the next breakout star in the sport? Yes. So that allows you to jump ahead. But I think as much as we can use the lack of evidence of seeing Sean O'Malley consistently beat elites as a, well, hold your role. He may not be that good enough. He also might be better than we think. True. Meaning sometimes you just have a weird style fight and weird things go down. Is that the case in the Vera loss, which, you know, had a, he had a questionable reaction to that for sure. Is that the case in the weird Munoz fight where a guy limited his offense but wasn't having a big offensive night on his own? I think there's just as much a setup to where we can be sleeping on O'Malley and as great as Jan. Look, Jan is the toughest non-title fight you can arguably make in this entire sport. I mean, Piotr Jan is the shit. He's absolutely just a gangster and really solid across the board, which made that DQ loss surprising, just as surprising it was to see Aljo come over the top. But I don't want people to sleep on as much as you're right saying, I'm not really sure if O'Malley's that guy. He may overly impress you by just coming out because of that. And, and look, it's hard to gauge a guy when he's beating competition that he should, and that's who he's been fighting But what gets you over part. is to beat the guy that you shouldn't be able to beat, you know? I feel like that's where he's at. Like, he's there's something already about it, like, in the lead-up where he's just kind of dismissing Jan. Like, he's, you know what I mean? Like, playing his coach, it up. His coach told Submission Radio, Tim Welch, who's a good coach, but he told them, you know, and he was careful about, like, it could go this way, it could go this way. So he's introducing possibilities. But one of the possibilities he introduced is, like, not remote was that Sean could go in there and, to his point, make him look stupid. And I was like, fairly remote to me. That would be... <laughs> that, but well, that I, would be, I, I, be maybe, a maybe, star yeah. uh, making moment like, if he does this. Like who, who goes in there and... This would be Garbrandt and uh, Cruz yeah. or something like, like that. Who goes in there and dummies Jan? I do agree. The counter to what I just said should be, show me evidence of somebody having done that to Jan, despite right. having just seen him lost out. You're right. I mean, maybe Magomed Magomedov is the only one who. Yeah, but that him, was a long time put some ago. Real, and by the way, Jan got his revenge for that. Boy, so did he! Uh, but so look, it's it, it. That I mean, as much as I'm saying, look, don't sleep on O'Malley against your better instincts because he could just leap through our screen. What <laughs> is the real freaking path to victory here? Know. Because he, there's no hole in Jan's game unless you can get him to DQ you. So there is one thing he's up against that someone was asking me about. Someone asked me the other day. They're like, could it happen where? Like Sean O'Malley, Aldo's Jan, like, you know, Jan comes out crazy and then Sean just hits him with the one hitter quitter. And it's like, well, MMA is crazy, but unlikely. And the reason why that's unlikely, at least in the first round, which would make it the Connor Aldo situation. But the point I wanted to make was Aldo, excuse me, Jan has been fighting a lot of five round fights and has been typically used to punting on the first round. He may not throw a punch until the first two minutes that's, have expired. Yeah. True. He goes up there and all he does is look. Well, folks, this is a three-round fight. You can't be punting rounds that much. You kind of have to get to work. You are losing ten minutes off the clock in order to fight. You can't just seed around to Sean O'Malley. I wonder how that hurry-up offense, relative to how he normally does mm. it, could cause him to make mistakes against a guy like um, a guy like uh, uh, Sean O'Malley, who is sharpshooter, plays with distance well, tricky. You know, it's hard for me to believe that Jan is just going to get hit clean. Are you saying we're destined for a three-round fight that doesn't one guy wins and it doesn't really give us answers? Are you saying we're destined for that? I think either uh, Sean is just going to have his number, or I think Jan is going to weather something of a slight early storm to overall uh, break him down and be yeah. commanding. Right. Jan does fight nasty, right? He fights with he a chip on his shoulder. But he, he doesn't fight like a dumbass, though. No, he doesn't. So do you look at him trying to repeat what Cheeto did and say, okay, I see the weakness in this kid. He, you know, he, he's a bitch when he when he fights hurt. He doesn't fight whatever, whatever you want to frame it. Yeah. Do you think he goes after the legs of O'Malley? I think he strategy? goes after the leg kicks for sure. But I also think he's going to make him wrestle. 
think mm-hmm. he's going to make him tired. I think he's going to make him wrestle. And even if you can't hold him down just to get the blood pumping in there, where, like, you know, who was it? Uh, Alistair Overeem beating Better Hari the other day. He was like, you know, when Batter's at his very best, yeah. he's very difficult. But if you can get him to slow down just a little bit, all that little bit is all you need, yeah. and the whole thing changes. And I think if you can get Sean O'Malley, dude, when Sean's doing this shit and he's sticking and going, <laughs> he's, he's, he's hard to hurt, he's hard to touch, and he can fucking floor you. But if you can bring that down just a little bit, and he becomes much more ma- – any fighter would, but he we becomes much more against manageable. Him. Against what was his name, Mutino, whatever the guy with the – Chris Mutino. Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, when he's doing the, guys the like that. The difference between Mutino that's and Yon. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say, though. It's, it's like, like we, we see it Francis and Ganu. <laughs> we see him doing that against guys like that. I just haven't really seen him in that comfort zone against the elites yet either. So it's right. kind of um, – you know, that, that's what I'm saying. It, it could be an eye-opening moment if he's able to do that. Also, we should give praise to Yon for one thing, like, you know – Yes, O'Malley's taken on a very difficult challenge, and uh, that's great. But most guys ranked number one are even, okay. I realize that he's not doing this uh, service so much to O'Malley because of O'Malley's popularity. But dude, he is risking a lot taking on a 13th ranked guy who is to this point, yeah, kind of unproven. I mean, he's done some great things, but against elite okay, guys, I'll give you that. So for Jan to do that, Jan is risk. I know he has a lot to gain. Well, he wants the reward. Is, so can we talk about that? He's reward? risking a shit. Chuck. Yeah. If Piotr Jan does beat O'Malley, and, and he doesn't have to sun him, let's say it's a close-ish three-round fight and it's a disputed decision, but he wins. Does he need then in the main event? A cer- I'm sorry, in the co-main event, a certain result to happen to be, get in line for the title shot? Does he need Dillashaw to win? I think so. I think Dillashaw would have to win in that scenario. Mm. Really? Um, because I, I mean, in one way you can say, well, the UFC, Aljo beat him twice, but he didn't I just don't really think the UFC twice. wants that fight again, to be honest. Like, I don't think that they would want it again this soon. I agree with that. Yeah. It was. It just wasn't like a – it didn't move the needle really. No, I mean, right, even though it was, right. a, it was a fun fight to – to imagine in our minds, I mean, it just didn't seem to move the needle well, enough. The, I just don't think they'd want when somebody it. somebody becomes a new champion, those types of guys. Well, do you know what there? they love to do? When somebody becomes a new champion, especially when that person is young and you can build upon them, you want to then sub in a proven name, which is why you said, hey, if Mahachev, if Mahachev wins in the main event, could be Chandler next. It could be if he could wins, be. right? Could be. Um, I wonder, though, if, if, if Sterling wins, then, and if Jan also wins, then what are we doing next? In the That's a fuck. <sighs> I don't know. I guess you're going to Sterling's teammate is Marab Devalish Willie. Yeah. And as much as I think they would potentially be willing to put it aside, so soon would they be willing yeah. to put aside the you brother? You would have to get more clarity from Sanhagen and Chito Vera. But even then, if Sanhagen wins, that would still be a rematch. Could, now, you could sell that a little bit could more. Could Chito get, get bumped up because, of, because the other guys have fought each other? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Chito you're versus right, Aljo would be badass. Just as much as Piotr Jan versus TJ Dillashaw would be bad. Okay, on the on the other yeah. side though, one permutation we haven't gotten is Jan versus Dillashaw at any point. And if Jan wins oh, and Dillashaw wins, that'd be huge. Also, yeah. if O'Malley be, wins, yeah. he up overturns the apple yeah. cart completely. And then yeah. I think I think here's the thing: if he wins, he's getting a title shot next, right? If you Gar- beat Piotr Jan, he's the number one contender. It'd be promotional malpractice. So then, end. so then guys like Sanhagen and Cheeto would be like, "What the fuck?" But they would, yeah. even though Cheeto has the win over him, yeah. he, could get, he would get left behind. Look, you could argue he wouldn't deserve exactly it, but. Promotion-wise, that's why you're putting him in this fight now to set up that next one. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. So let's let's let's. And you close. can make the argument the beating Yon is automatic to get it anyway. Yes. You know, just like I asked you, look, how big could Islam Mahachev as a star actually be if he gets the Habib rub, which he's in position to get if he wins? How big is O'Malley? Because like, I mean, look, nobody's Connor, <laughs> nobody's Brock, nobody's Ronda. 
But how big of a star could Sean O'Malley actually be? I think he could be big. Yeah. Uh, could he sell five to 750K on pay-per-view? Like, if he can keep a hot streak going? I think he could. Okay, yeah. but which audience has he grabbed? The the crossover casual Juggalos. fan 18 to uh, 28, <laughs> 24 to 36? Like, seriously, like, who is he? Is he? Is he, the, he, he pulls in. He's a, he reminds me a little bit of Gervonta Davis. He's got a little bit of that going where he hasn't quite fought the very, very best, but he's got a crazy, exciting style. He pulls in a younger demo. Yeah. I feel he has like weird tattoos. He, he has knocks weird people tattoos, out. Weird yeah. tattoos, weird colors, weird way of dressing. It's a, it's you know, it's like the little Zane, little Yachty scenario. I don't know that generation at all. I'm an old washed piece of shit, but they exist. There's a lot of them, and he has them on lock. You and see the Takashi Six Nine of MMA? Oh man, they're boys, I guess. Uh, Are they really? Yeah, except Takashi can't rap for shit, and Sean can actually fight a little bit. Kind of like Takashi. Do you think Bryce Mitchell's a better rapper than Takashi? No, I think you're a better rapper than Takashi. No. Well, I was a former, former factory shipping and receiving manager. So I can rap that shit. It's like, got to shout it, though. You've got to shout it. What are you doing? Yeah, we haven't done enough daddy janky reggaeton in this show. But the truth is, he's very good. He's reggaeton? Very, is that what it's called? Ton. Sorry, the reggaeton. O'Malley's a very good. Uh, what would you say? Like a big picture media person. Like yes. he's he's very self good. Self promoter. Yeah, self promoter. And he the pressure he takes off of his fights, you know, the pressure he takes away from, like, it's. That's that it factor. Like right. the, he just doesn't seem like he's the pressure's on him ever. You know what I mean? Right, like let's he's got that concept. Guy. Your son is middle school years. Uh, seventh grade. Yeah. Would this be the type of guy that Sean O'Malley that your son would oh my already, God, he already know? Loves him. Separate he from already loves him. separate loves from him? my dad covers MMA. Is it somebody who came into his life through YouTube or someone like that? Like uh, he has definitely seen a lot more of his content than most of the other guys. Yeah, I mean he knows exactly who he is. Like he sees a lot of O'Malley content. So yes, he's uh, he's obviously tapping into the okay. younger demographic. Okay. Yeah, no but doubt yeah. about it. All right, yeah. we're just he's the... taking your kids. He's taking everything yeah, you work he's for. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's a little strange. But uh, he's not the Pied Piper, BC. Yeah, he's not Larry Nasser. <laughs> he's not Larry Nasser. Yeah. No, he's not. Uh, uh, All right. So let's talk about what's left on this card very quickly. You mentioned it earlier. Benil Dariush, Mateusz Gamrot. Gamrot getting a disputed but tough, hard-fought win what a over Armin Saryukin. Dariush, somewhat the forgotten man in this division, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. Somewhat Always. the forgotten man. But very, what, nine fights in a row, he's still forgotten. Very, man. very talented. Uh, Chuck, what are they fighting for? I feel like... Respect, Chuck. Respect. Well, that's partly that's true, actually. Yeah. I feel like if it's Gamrot, it's, it could be like... You know, kind of the the quick expedition right into some kind of title talk. But I think Dariush is it's one of those things, right? Like he's trying to make his case undeniable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he's on this card. I feel like that that's where it's at. And I don't know how you could deny him, to be honest. Like at this point, how could you deny him if he gets? Because here's the here's the problem. Dariush might win. But you ain't gonna beat Mateusz Gamrot easily, and you're gonna have to eke out a victory over this fucking guy. And that's a good point. If Chandler goes in there, I, by the way, Poirier can either one. If either guy goes in there and puts the other guy's lights out, a they yeah. have bigger names, and they would have a more exciting style. That's I'm sorry, but that's gonna win out, whether or not it should. It will. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel it's like the, Gam the Gamrot thing is always like one of those when you see this kind of matchmaking, you're always like, I always think like for the guy like Darius, it's like. They just don't want him to have me in a title fight. They want well, this other like guy, you know, like they're putting like him against this guy who should, you know, should or maybe will beat him. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those types. Does of he situations. feel like like the welterweight uh, Bilal Muhammad? Like it almost feels like, or the lightweight Bilal Muhammad, almost yeah, like that, like he's in the title picture, but people forget to use his name a lot when but talking. He, but about not him. quite, because you could have made an argument that a, like a few years ago, maybe this wasn't true about Dariush, but it's definitely true now, dude. He fights balls out. 
His fight with Jakar Close was insanity. It was complete insanity. So you can't say he's not exciting. The thing is, he's just got a real aw shucks Sam Alvey thing. Only like <laughs> unlike Sam, he's like real good. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. He's a high rated fighter with great Sam still catching strays. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to beat him up. I'm just Who, trying to Benny say. Benny Dariush has like legit gray hair for being a UFC title contender. Like yeah. you, sh- you should be yeah. supporting yeah, him. Yeah, but you know, he gets out there and he's like, I, "This the most important thing right now, guys, is that I love Jesus." And I'm always like, "Mute." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know. Not not a lot of people even with I that. I did that. I not, did that. Hold on. Not, I actually don't even mean that. I did that just to piss him off. Just to disparage us, us fine believers. Thank you, Luke. I, I actually great. don't even mean But I do think, in all seriousness, I was joking there, but in all seriousness, he does have an aw shucks yes. thing that doesn't make him There's in any way hateable. No forget Jesus. But, he, he, but it doesn't elevate him. He's not even getting like the diehard... Um, Pining push, you know, for for you know, like some guys who have been there for a while. I remember John Fitch way back in the day. Guys like that, they at some point they they tip over and people are like, "You got it, you can't deny me yes. giving him the shot." That's, the I John feel like Fitch, it's there, but I don't feel like people are pining for him to be in dude, a title the, shot. The John Fitch path to victory, it's uh, long. Yeah, here's the other problem with it. Not only is it long and difficult, you only get one. Once you get the title oh, shot yeah. on the John Fitch path, they ain't giving you another one. That's just how it goes. All right, guys, we're short True. on time. All right. Any quick thoughts about Caitlin Chukagan taking on Manon Fioro? Manon Fioro, another one of these French fighters, is going to, I think, really show that that market has some depth in combat sports. That's well, they all. can't keep Chukagan away from the title picture because she tends to lose when she steps up to the very highest level, but it's pretty damn consistent across the board against anyone who's B, B- in this division. And now they re-signed her at a point on a win streak where there was some question whether they would, you know, because does she have the style exciting enough? We've already seen her against the champion, and she got dominated. Do you feel like she's been brought back to kind of just be that that elite gatekeeper to well, prove that's whether what, who's yeah. next that's, in line is ready? Because she's that's, one of the definitions of a gatekeeper at this point, because they don't really want her. And that's disrespectful. And also, to disrespectful for somebody that good. Also, here was here's the problem. She's Rich Franklin. She's better than just yeah, about everyone yeah. else in, the, in that division. But the difference between her and Shevchenko is enormous. So right. it's like, what are, you, what are you supposed to do? Although I will say, Fioro has a good chance here. Okay, it's Fioro yeah. building toward somebody that they can legitimately build behind because the path to Valentina no. is so short because it's never been oh, a, yes, a deep yes. division that beating Chukagin, who is always seemingly ranked number one, to be fair, that might be enough. Would that be enough? Yes, it would be. It would be. Uh, I mean, we, we, you know, there's obviously Alexa Grasso in the mix, and we'll see what happens. They would do that fight in France, wouldn't they? They, they would. They, they might. They, they would. The French market. They wow. certainly Motherfuckers, might. Motherfuckers, I right, know wow. they will. Before we go, because I'm going to turn back into a pumpkin here in just a few minutes. Is it that? All right. Is yeah. that, that? Yeah, we've been, on, we've been on oh, over for an hour. Yeah, okay. we've been going. All right. Let's go. All right, last thing. BC and I had Sean Brady, who fights Bilal Muhammad in the main event of the prelims right here on this couch. And we all made a deal. I don't know if you know this. And okay. part of that deal is if he beats Bilal Muhammad, <laughs> we all have to get tattoos together in Philadelphia. Any tacos. Oh, my God. The taco part, not so hard. But Legit? the part, yes. Wow. Okay, with that being said, is BC going to have to get a tattoo? <laughs> Are you a blank canvas right now? Do you have one? I am. I am a wow. blank canvas. Wow. I'm very colorful in my personality. I, I'm suddenly going to be rooting for, uh, so for Brady to win. Huh? I got to say, we talk, we talk <laughs> about turnover in the lightweight division, but you have Rachmanov, Chemayev, yeah. assuming he can make yeah. it. Brady, people don't, they sleep Brady's on Brady. Awesome, this is a big one for him. Big time. And I feel like he's kind of in that space, too, that diehards know they, they're looking at him, but the most people haven't really looked at him. He's in a good spot. It's the last prelim, right? Like, So I feel yes. like that's, a, that's an awesome spot. Uh, for him to showcase, and I think that guy's the legit. I, I I'm fearful. What do, you, do you guys know what you're okay, gonna get a tattoo? His back off? when we had him in studio was so muscular, it looked like a fucking yeah. turtle. <laughs> Jurassic back, Sean Brady. You have Jurassic back. He was also a really cool dude. But here's the deal: 
Is Bilal's takedown defense enough to make this a moot? Bilal's going to have Habib Nurmagomedov in his corner. That's an untalked about storyline. Yeah, that's By the right. way, as a that's Palestinian right. guy who that's comes right. out to, he's got one of the best walkout songs in all of MMA, My Blood is Palestinian, which is just incredible. And that whole crowd is going to be on his side. Remember that point. name. Big time. Big time. I don't think any Sean Brady matter. is going into the mouth of the lion here. Big time on this one. Yeah, but this I, is like Rocky in Moscow and against Drago. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I've been so wrong about Bilal Muhammad. I really am just trying to reserve judgment. Because early in his career, he was kind of up and down-ish. And more up than down, certainly. But, you know, he had a couple of hiccups along the way where I was like, mm, you know, I'm not so sure where we're going to yeah. get here. But of late, you know, fans want to talk about, oh, he's boring this or he's boring that. Fine. You can have that argument if you're a fan if you want. Pay, pay for the fights you want to pay for or don't. But in terms of the results he's getting, especially over the rematch with Luke, dude, he looked good. Like, he yeah. has definitely gotten way, way better. And he is, by the way, also a fucking Hulk, too. That is going to be a highly well, interesting Would you say that uh, a because, clash of real wills because they both like to dictate yep. everything in the cage. Yep. So. Because Bilal's pecs are so freaking toned, would you say he has the best hits in the UFC? <laughs> in the U whole UFC? Which yeah. one of the UFC strawweights have you typically <laughs> reserved that title for? All right, yeah. we got to go. We got to go. Uh, uh, UFC uh, 280 will be, uh, I think, in the afternoon. It's going to be a pay-per-view at the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I'm going to be watching from home. Yep. You're yeah, you're not going. Oh fuck no! Chuck, no. do you think there was enough actual real talk like men do in the show, or were we a little soft today? A little soft today. Expected a little more from See, you. The, no, this I, edible didn't hit at all. <laughs> I didn't. wasn't interrupted nearly enough. Uh, Chuck, uh, we win a lot of awards on this show. I know, and you're a big part of it. So, Chuck, congratulations. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said. For this award here, I least deserve like the big toe on that one. Like, that the dick. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can be the dick and boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we'll take you that. Dick, there yeah. you go. They, uh, hey, look, you didn't even drink anything, you old salty bitch. Yes, I also have a four-hour commute ahead of me, so go fuck yourself. Uh, so that's Brian Campbell. That's Chuck Mendenhall. Oh, uh, if they want to get more from you, where do they go? Uh, Twitter at Chuck Mendenhall, I think is my handle, and uh, TheMyth.com. If you want to buy this hat. Yes, you can. Boston Scally in the house. Hat. So you gifted Luke I with did. his own hat. Yeah. Chuck Mendenhall Boston Scally. I was, I was pretty happy with that. He's so. looking good. Will he actually wear it, Chuck? I will. I will. I will. I know, I've I really seen him wear those before. Yes, I've worn them before. I really like that one. Look, you do have like a Italian man bag aside, when you when and Pink Panther pants aside, when you go for it in a specific <laughs> style lane, you have a tendency to pull it off. I appreciate that, Brian. Yeah. But you can still go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, and that's wow. us. All There's right. your UFC 280 morning combat pregame preview. Preview. Yes, because what are we doing here? I get paid to do this because I'm an idiot. Pregame preview. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the fights. We'll catch you all next time. Hey, Sean Brady. Hey, Sean Brady. All right? You want to put the needle in my skin? There it is. It's on you, Virginal bro. Virginal canvas right here. Remember that name. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this is your time. Are you coming on? <laughs> Because this is permanent. Oh, God. This is permanent. Oh, God. This skin's untouched. It's pasty, bro. You want to add some color on this, All bitch? right, can we fucking end this thing? <laughs> <laughs> can we fucking end go? this? Bye. That's uh, it. Bye. <laughs>